0: The following episode contains depictions of violence that some people may find disturbing. Discretion is advised.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Olympic gold medalist Justin Gadlin here. We're getting ready for the next episode of Ready, Set, Go. Today's going to be a special, special episode for me because I'm telling you right now, this athlete right here in the world he works in, it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of guts, a lot of determination. But without further ado, I'm not going to take the honors away. I'm going to let his old coach, old man Rod, be able to introduce this man today. Take it <laughs> over, man. Go ahead. <laughs> man, today we got Louis Pertes, uh
2: from the USA. This man has represented our country and uh, the military as well as for the Paralympics. He's an American holder, American record holder in the 200 for his section of
1: T61. Lewis, welcome. Hey,
0: thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be sitting here with you guys, for real.
1: Of course, man. Of course, man. I mean, we're going to get started, man. I'm going to talk about a little bit about your background. You know what I mean? Where you've come from, where were you born, the journey that got you to where you are today.
0: Is that cool with you? Yeah, for sure, man. Ooh. So, um, you know, my, my life's been a little different than most people. When I was uh, nine years old, I was forced to go live with my, my, my auntie, my uncle, my grandma. You know, um, so where, where were you living at? I was living in New York. I was born in New York.: okay. in Queens.:
1: New York in the house. Yeah what Jackson part? What Heights, part of New York.
0: Jackson Heights, man. All
1: right, Queens yeah. in the
0: house. PS69. 69. All right. And uh, yeah, man, like I said, I went to Peru and uh, it, was, it was rough, you know, um, but it was great and I had a lot of love from my family then, you know. And uh, when I was 17, I, honestly, from the time I was like 14, I knew that I was going to join the army. Like I was American and there's no opportunities down there. So I had to, you know, do myself and go get my college after that. And that was the road for me. That was the path. And uh, when I was in the army and I made it, I, I thought this is going to be my career. Like, I love this. This is like intense and fun. You know, unfortunately, like I deployed to Iraq in uh, 2005 and it wasn't like 10 months later. Uh, we were on a convoy and we got hit by a like a, a real big bomb. Normally people know that as an IED. But this was an EFP. It's like a factory made bomb. It's not improvised. So I got hit some serious, serious power. And uh, you know, from then on, man, it was like it was crazy.
2: One second, let's let's pause there. So y'all are in a Humvee or y'all are like
0: like stationed, like Yeah. So we were infantry soldiers, all of us. And we were three guys per truck, four trucks. Right, one gunner, one driver, and one TC. How long were you there before? I was 10 and a half months okay, before I got hit. All right. We had, I got hit several times by bombs, but the, it was the sixth or seventh one that got me, you know? Whoa, 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 yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yep. So you've been there only for 10 months. Yep. You've already been hit by six or seven bombs before then. There's about, in that time, there's about, in my area alone, we're talking about like five a five to 10 kilometer area, probably around 15 to 20 bombings a day on the road or just on the road. Yeah. Cause that's how they fight us. They don't want to, uh, you know, face Face, us. Head to head. They want to hurt us. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. so the Hurt Locker movie is real Then, Like that's, it's pretty close. Yeah, it it, it is. It is. They, they really, yeah, that's, that guy is an EOD, uh, especially. So he's, he's in charge of disarming bombs, but that, that's also true. Uh, Hmm. in my time though, we use robots. You know we call the EOD team and they come with a robot, and the robot will go take a dynamite stick and blow it up.
2: I, know, we don't want you to talk about anything that's going to have the CIA. And I'm
0: completely comfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> if,
2: if so,
1: my name is Rodney Green.: a hey, hey, second. Yeah. <laughs> come get me.: <laughs> Man, so you said the,
2: all those every day, you know, we thank you, of course, because we know freedom's not free, um, but the bomb hits your truck. You you knock out
0: immediately or? No. So I, I felt it, but I didn't know what it was. So my, my arms went like this. I was on the steering wheel. You know, I've got my sleeves open because I'm trying to get the air. It's 120 degrees. It's hot. The AC barely blows. So I'm trying to get all the air in me and all of a sudden, boom. And I'm like, my body does this. It contracts. remember it. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. I grabbed the steering wheel immediately. I'm like, why did I get scared? I thought I had gotten scared, right? And the, it was it was that my, it was my body's reaction, like, just like, ow, you know? But I didn't know. So you I didn't feel it. You didn't even hear, like, the bomb go off? Or... Yeah, yeah. I saw the bomb go off and it went pitch dark. Like, you couldn't see nothing. I couldn't see where I was going. And my, my uh, captain, my lieutenant, was like, push through the kill zone, right? You got to push past the blast. And I was like, vehicle's dead, vehicle's dead. And it was, wasn't dead. It was that my feet were gone. You know, my feet had been immediately ripped off from the calf. So I look down, and I look first down on my right leg. My foot is, like, on the ground sideways. And I'm like, and then as soon as I do that, I'm like, damn. And I didn't have no time to think. My gunner falls on me, and he's bleeding out of his mouth, and he's like, like, he's hurt, and he wants me to help him. So I'm like, shit. All right, let me get out of the truck on one leg. I'll pull him out, and I'm going to tourniquet myself, right? And when I open the door and I do this, like, all this meat's hanging down, you know? So I'm like, okay, change of plan. And I'm like, yo, and then the, pa- the door, that 400-pound door, the hinges had been blown off, coincidentally, because it was like a big old, the bomb is a big old shotgun blast, basically. It just yeah. puts yeah. holes anywhere. And the door fell on me. So I have his head with his helmet right here, and I had the, in, inside the, hum, the Humvee the is a huge truck. It's a really small space, and you got a, a vest that already puts this much in you, you know? ammo and so the door lands on me and he he starts feeling the pressure on his head on his head and he pulls out and when he pulls out the whole door just lands and pins me on my neck and i'm like "Uh, oh and i choked out it choked me out you know i couldn't put it push it out because at the same time i'm losing strength i can't breathe because of the loss of blood was incredible it was just pouring a river and uh finally there's a guy named uh, Pollard, last name Pollard. Uh, he was 240 pounds. He was the strongest guy in our whole unit. And uh, he came and picked the door off of me, you know. And as soon as he picked it up and got it off my neck, I just like I got choked out, I, I woke up. I woke up to my, to my guys, like, taking me out of there. And I'm, like, my legs and the, the hamburger hanging off of them are, like, caught up in all the metal and the debris. They go ahead and cut what's left of the meat that's, there right because there's no bone connected anymore yeah and um my guys huddled up around me you know to protect me from the sun because the sun was like causing major burning on my legs right 120 degrees sun on your flesh is crazy how much it burns so they created shade and uh ran me up to the hospital thank god I was like five minutes from a base so so let me get this right
1: you remember every step that you went through from the blast you was awake the door choking you out a you felt the sun Beaming down on your raw flesh
0: mm-hmm. Dog Yeah, and yeah This is not like It's a lot It's not like a car accident
2: where You'd be like Oh you're making me feel crazy If I get in a car accident And knock out You'd be like bro
1: Look man I, I got rear-ended what Last week yeah. You know And it was uh, an experience for me But listening to what you've been yeah. through Man That's That's crazy man
0: Yeah man And uh, you know My guys ran me down real quick And they were able to save my life Because I actually saw my life flash before my eyes. And you know what they say? It's, it's true. I never thought it was true, but it was true. I, I saw like, you know, like uh, the old school picture films. Yeah. Ch- 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 <laughs> ch- like real? that with the holes and everything, like wow. a cinema. And I saw myself the first image that I, that, that I remember of myself, like with my the cat that we adopted when I was like five years old. And I started seeing my, my life flash in like a second. I saw so much. You know what I mean? Like, you know how your brain in a second just... And I was like, this is it. Like, my brain is trying to tell me, like, you had a good life. It's okay. Goodbye. And I'm just, so I had to start, and everything was heavy. I had to drop my, my shirt was heavy. You know, my, the shirt felt like I was wearing a vest. So I dropped everything, and I'm just like, <sighs> I'm breathing 100%, and I'm only getting, like, 1% air because there's no blood in me no more. Mm. They get me out, you know, and as soon as they, they plug in that, um, that blood in me, I could breathe, but then something else kept in, kicked in, you know. I started feeling the pain. You couldn't feel no pain? I didn't feel no pain. Because the, the brain has a, a, a chemical in it that when you have a catastrophic injury that the body knows you will not survive, it releases that. So, so that it's you like die shock. in peace. Yeah, so you die in peace, you know? That's, yeah. that's kind of what it is. Not shock. It's just, it just does that when you have catastrophic. Like if you go ahead and they rip you from the stomach down. You will get that chemical. You so it's like it. a
1: natural morphine.
0: Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah.
1: So after you got past that threshold, that's when you start feeling all the pain.
0: Oh, yeah. Then the pain started kicking in, right? And uh, I just had to hold on, man, because I'm just, like, shaking. Like, I'm shaking, like, I could shake so hard, like, my whole body. I was, like, you know, like, floating like the exorcist, man. You know, like that. And uh, And then I didn't want to take the morphine. There was something about, like, I didn't want to take the morphine because I thought, like, I was, like, no, and they asked me why. And I was like, well, because if I take the morphine, then I won't feel it. And if I don't feel my legs, then I have to accept the fact that I just lost them. And there, he was like, "He's like, please, you know, please, monkey. They call me monkey, you huh? know. Please, monkey, just take the morphine. I was like, all right, fine, bro. Took the morphine. Oof. I was like, okay. You know. But um, they, they control the pain after that. But the real pain starts like in a, a month after once you get all, all of it done you know, then it's the, the pain starts. But, you know, it's a fairly fast recovery after that in amputation, to be honest. Did you
1: experience phantom limbs, as they say? Most definitely. Yeah. So the
0: first, the first thing that I noticed, I'm, I'm there dying and I'm like wondering what's going on. I can feel my legs, but they're not there. It's like, I could feel everything. And so I'm sitting behind the driver
1: with my legs
0: like this, right, I'm like holding on to my calves. So they don't bleed out. And they're still bleeding out with with gauze and everything on it. And my legs are supposed to be like kicking the driver. But well, my like my legs are ghost legs are through his head. And I'm just like, whoa. What do they call it ghost legs. Yeah, they were like, they were like there. You know, nowadays I could feel my foot before there. Now my foot is in here. As, as the years went by, I started losing the sensation of the calf. And now all that's left is. The front part of the ball of my foot and my toes, and they're tucked in back here. Really? Yeah, and I don't move them. I can send the signs to do this, but if I do this, I get like uh, like ants. Like, you know how when you feel like, well, every day, for me, you know when you fall asleep on your arm? Yeah. That's how the end of my legs feel, like always. Like a
1: tingling sensation.
0: Yes, always. Sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, but your body gets used to it after some time, and it actually, like, adapts. That makes sense, like like, like acclimates. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it becomes normal for you, in a
0: yeah, way. Yeah,
2: yeah. How long did it take um, before they send you back stateside after your accident?
0: Well, back then, I was high priority, but it was like, everybody was high priority. And it actually took me two weeks to get back. That's why I lost so much of my legs, because I, uh, I had my knees, you know. But in those two weeks, m- my legs were dying. They were going black. And so they had to cut, 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 clean, cut, cut, cut. And I had to fight to have what I had. I had to sign a waiver to uh, that if I died, it was under my own responsibility because I didn't want to cut anything above where I was. And uh, so I had to be on an antibiotic for two months, a drip antibiotic. I had to go to the clinic and sit there for like an hour and a half every morning and and take it. And that antibiotic like knock you out, like it's you know it's strong stuff. And I I survived it, you know. But I wasn't going to cut my legs more and and not be able to do the things I do because I wouldn't have. And, you know, I was like, to me, it was just like I had to take the risk, you know, and I'm glad I did because I would then I would have never walked uh, how I do and I would never would have ran. And a lot of things in my life would not be the same and I wouldn't be, you know, so I I had to fight. So speaking of running,
1: um, how did you go from the point of being in a hospital bed, trying to fight for the rest of your legs just to stay intact to becoming a. An Olympian, man, a Paralympian, a teammate of mine. How how
0: was that journey? That was amazing to be there in the track with you, by the way, just you and Shakiri. It's just like, I was just like, what is going on? Um, But yeah, man, I, so the first thing that was in my mind when I lost him was my grandma that raised me. She can't, she can't find out about this. I need to be recovered. And I have two months till Christmas after my final surgery, October 5th. I got like, you know, till Christmas, to go in front of her, she suffered from like
2: one second. What year is this?
0: This year is two thousand six. The year is two thousand oh, six. The year is thousand six. I'm twenty went. years old, and uh, my grandma is like really important to me. So, I I trained really hard. I uh like really hard, like all day. I would walk around with like boiling hot water cups to create my balance. You know, force myself. Like I'll burn myself if I don't have good balance like that, and.
1: Oh, so you use hot water to deter you from messing up. Mm -hmm. And every time you get splashed by the hot water, you have to correct yourself. Mm -hmm. Was that something, a technique that was taught or you just said, this is something I'm going to do because this is going to. It happened at a wedding.
0: So the first thing that happened, I had a a buddy over there. He told me about, you know, when you're in Iraq, there's nothing to do. And you just talk about stuff. And it's so profound to be out there. And like every day you can die that we would talk about the stuff that we loved. And he loved this girl that he was going to marry when he got back. And his his story was so beautiful that I told him, When we get out, I'm gonna go to your wedding. And I lost my legs. And they got they came back a month later. I was almost coming back. <laughs> and uh wait, and I the made it.
2: why i while loud is because I I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but you know I'm crazy like this. The only thing I can think about is Lieutenant Dan from Forest Cup. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, You remember he came back to yeah, Forrest yeah, Cup yeah, wedding? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, as soon yeah. as he said
0: that, I was like, No, really, me. yeah. <laughs> go ahead (laughs) oh yeah and so in this wedding I don't have clothes I don't have nothing I go in my uniform and he's cool with it I I surprised him you know but what happened is I get up to go for the dinner plate and I can't balance the dinner plate and walk like I mean like you know I just started walking I had a cane I was still training to go see my grandma and uh, I couldn't pick up the plate and I couldn't pick up the. so I, I felt so like powerless so when I got back to my room I said, "Look, I'm never going to going through this again." So I would get eggs and put them on a plate, and I would have a hot cup of water filled all the way to the top, and I had to walk and not drop them. If I dropped it, I had to pick it up and clean it, and it was, you know, so it forced myself to get better, you know?
1: I don't even think I, I don't even think I could walk with eggs on a plate <laughs> with both <your> legs. <laughs> with both my legs. Listen, that, I, that's crazy balance right there to be able to do something like that.
2: training Lewis, man, Lewis, his mentality is very tough. Any, anything, or any workout I gave to him, um, even if he, 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 seen adversity, he's like, all right, I'm gonna still try it anyway. It didn't matter for him. When he was overweight, he did what he needed to do to lose the weight. When I told him, I said, be overweight, got to lose some weight, man. He did. He worked out every day. You did those pull-ups and push-ups. As I sent him, he did them every day. So he he's very, very disciplined.
1: That's what I, I, I admire that about you a lot. You know, you. that skill set alone, I look to, even if it wasn't me, like I emulated it. But that's what helped my track career in pushing me to the next level. Because if I'm not going to do it, the next person's going to do it. So I want to do it. So I had to push myself, mm-hmm. you know, and... Hearing your story up to this point, man. Like I take my hat off to you, man, a thousand times because you know, it's a skill set that helps you become who you are today. but it's so rare to see that in society because it's such a trait and a talent and a gift that now you can put your mind to whatever you want to do and you can accomplish whatever you desire because you have that intent to do so, man. yeah, it's it beautiful
0: helped out a lot. you know, uh, the the army shapes you a little bit, you know, if you wanted to. And that's kind of like what got me into running. You know, they shaped me into the running and uh, everything, you know, it's helped me out in in a lot of things in my life, you know, like, because in the Army there's this saying, like, suck it up and keep going. Drink water, you know, like there's nothing to it. You have to keep going.
2: Um, Now, I know I coached you for the 2020 Olympics. Was that, that wasn't your first time trying? Did you try out for 2016? Olympics also or
0: no? Uh, no i didn't try out for those those were the those, i actually that's the reason i got in i was i had just received this this home from a nonprofit organization and it like gave me a lot of stability in my life you know right so i started focusing not on bills and stuff but focusing on like what do i want to do and so i was chilling there and i saw youtube and i seen a guy just like me running click on it it's the 100 meter race and i'm like 13 seconds they just ran 13 seconds so i went outside Put 100 meters down, ran. I was like, 16 point something. I was like, yeah, I got to pursue this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. See, <laughs> we got to give
1: a little more context to the audience, okay? So we went from <laughs> walking with hot water and eggs on a plate to running outside. to watching other uh, fellow uh, Paralympians <laughs> sprint down the track and he says, I'm going to do this. And he started doing it. Mm-hmm. So me and you talked before and you talked about how you started off running. Right when you're in the situation you are now, mm-hmm. and it took you time, and you went and ran a marathon that was what ten miles, right? Mm-hmm. And it took you four hours to complete ten miles. T- mm-hmm. take us through that a little bit.
0: So man, we I lose my legs, and like two months later, right, I see my grandma. Everything was good. Uh, you know, she was fine. She saw me. I was normal. Did she and know so, what
1: happened, or like,
0: she? Yeah, she found out like a year later. A year later. A year okay. later. Okay. But she she knew already. She was like, I knew something was wrong. You know, everybody's trying to hide something from me. I knew something was wrong, but I i saw you were good. I saw you were fine. So I didn't care. I didn't, we never mentioned that. She never looked at my legs. She never asked me anything about it. She was just so old school. She thought she'd be disrespecting me. So she never did. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so after I, I fought and walked and I did it for her, it, it empowered me. I realized that there's so much more to me than, than what I thought and that I could do things. Sometimes you don't do things for yourself. You do some things, more things for the people you love. Mm-hmm. And, uh. But then I needed to find another purpose, but it got me up there in that level, right? It got me pushed past the level. I was, at that point. I was already like the best walker in the world, and so I said, "I gotta, I gotta run," you know. I gotta, and the Army 10 Miler came up. It's a, it's a, you know, you know, it's kind of like a marathon where you half marathon where you run around all the monuments in D.C. and it's all a bunch of army guys, right? And my staff sergeant, my brother, you know, that's been still with me. Talk to him every week. I love him. Like he's my family. He told me I'm coming down and we're going to run the army 10 miles together. I was like, all right. Well, I only start training like a month before. it, And he comes up and he's like, let's go have some beers. And we go that night, the night before we go out. And I'm thinking four in the morning, I'm asleep. And I'm thinking, yeah, good. We're not going to go. And he wakes up. <laughs> yeah, he wakes up and he's like, let's go. And I was like, damn. So we get there. And the race starts. I'm like the first, you know, we're in the front. Gun goes off. I take three steps and I fall on my face. I take 10 steps after that. I fall on my face. Thank God I was running with my prosthetist, Eric, great human. He had made some adjustments for me and we kept going. Didn't fall again. Didn't fall again. And it took me like four hours to run that thing, man. Some, Some guy there, like unfortunately some guy died there in the middle of it from a heat stroke. It was like the hottest day in D.C. like in the last 50 years.
1: Look, man, I'm not going to be doing anything extracurricular with you, bro, because every time you're doing <laughs> something, it's always 120 <laughs> degrees as high as ever. man. <laughs> so, all right. So you brave through this 10 mile run, people passing out, person has died. What did it feel like to accomplish that when you crossed the line?
0: It was like the longest thing that I ever done. Cause I'd done ruck marches in the army. Those are heavy. You carrying like a hundred pounds on you and you're doing it for like 16 miles. That was rough. But this was like a next level. Cause I saw, I started feeling pain and then I started feeling like no pain. That's when I knew it was bad. I knew I was bleeding, you know, but I had to go because I had to be the first bilateral amputee to ever finish the army 10 mile.
2: So you were the first?
0: Yeah. I was the first. And, uh, so I finished it. It was great. I came back the next year. And I cut the time like sixty percent. Yeah.
1: So you went basically from running for four hours to about an hour and a half or something like that.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) because I I was training for, uh, I was just training for marathons, and I I was able to get down a half marathon in an hour and forty-five, hour forty-eight. I was trying to hit the one thirty to to go, you know, to like go anywhere, but I couldn't. I couldn't hit the one thirty. Like that's like the limit. And I'm really like a distance runner, not really a sprinter. Like, you know, you can see
2: me, I look like, Uh, you are as Brenda Lewis. Any, (laughs) any, any guy with the prosthetics on their legs that can run 36 in the 300. (laughs) That's, 36 ain't slow.
0: No, 20, 25. No, no, in the
2: 300. Remember when we was doing the 300s? Oh yeah, yeah. And I kept making you do them. Yeah. And I was like, we gonna run 36 in these 300s. So one day we was leaving, Justin called me and said, hey bro. Oh boy it was really moving, man. How fast he running? When I told him 36, he was like, 36! <laughs> I was like, yeah, you get a slow start, but once you get rolling, boy, you, you gotta go. I was trying to wrap so, my mind
1: around it the rest of the day, dog. <laughs> 36,
2: dog. <laughs> you riding, dog. The funny thing is his last 100 is always, his, the second half his race is always better. It's just, you know, we had to really manipulate how you started to really build maximum velocity. But like, yeah, you ain't, you can say a long distance runner, Ain't a lot of people can run 36 seconds in a thing on it.
0: No.
1: Hold up. Pause for a second. <laughs> no, seriously, because this, this is a jewel that we have right now. What is it like to coach a para-Olympian? Like, what is it? Because like you just said, you had to manipulate not only just the workout, but how he ran to be able to get the max velocity. You know, as, as a coach, usually it's, it's cookie cutter in a way. Like, you all right, I got able- body people this is what you do this is what this is how the workout is I want you to hit these times what was it like that it was it was new
2: for me, but I think Lewis got after a while that I could be obsessive with progression I don't care about roadblocks I'd be like man after that uh what's, what's What's the fastest time? We're going to break that. Remember, every guy used to say, oh, yeah, we going to break that. You like
0: that, back. didn't you, though? <laughs> <Well>, Rodney just <laughs> like research, go on the computer and say, look, I know you don't have these muscles and this and that. We're going to do this. he just go on the computer and find out. Yeah, bro. That's what he did.
2: Yeah, that's, 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 that's my job as a coach. Uh, once I feel like somebody came to me, and I mean, another guy wanted to come to me after a while, but I was like, I just want to focus on Lewis at the time because I feel like if I divided my attention between you and the other guy,
0: President.
2: yeah, I, I, I just didn't want to take that time away from you because I wanted you to medal, you know what I mean? So uh, I was really obsessive with your progression. So when I saw I could get you to run 36 seconds in the 200, I mean 300, I was like, oh yeah. And then Brooks was over there like, boy, you doing good. Because <laughs> Brooks said he never got him to run that fast. So he
1: was like, You <laughs> know, Brooke, <laughs> Brooks would say something like, boy, that boy hot like fish grease. <laughs> <laughs> He's moving yeah, on that back stretch, Louis, like a yeah, like a man. cat on a
2: hot tin roof. If it ain't no way, we find a way. So yeah. that, that's that's my whole. what I tell myself. But um, it was an amazing experience. It, it let me feel like there's nothing I can't do. He's always a reference when somebody comes to me for coaching. I'd be like, man, I coached a boy with no legs to the Olympics. We got the American record, and that 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 means something to me. I always reference him
0: in less than a year.
2: Yeah, less than a year, bro. And
0: I came at no shape. No
2: shape. Yeah. I, like you heard me say, I had to tell him to lose weight and everything.
1: So, Lewis, all right. Now let's 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 pick it back up real quick. So, you sit and watch. Now now we up to the point of where you sit and you're watching these guys compete and they're running 13 seconds. Mm-hmm. So, you roll out of bed and you say, I'm going to go run and see what I can run. You run 16 seconds. Mm-hmm. So, where does it go from there?
0: Well, then I had to find out. I don't have the best legs. I got to find out where I can get the best legs, best fitting, you know. And uh, so I found a place here in Orlando, Prosthetics and Orthotics Associates. They they just gave me everything, like more than my insurance would give me. They gave me everything. And uh, you shout know, out to what place that is? Yeah, Prosthetics and Orthotics Associates. Shout out to them. Yeah, shout out for real, Orlando, Orange, and Michigan. Um. And yeah, so they, they, they got me in, in, you know, I had to keep making legs because as soon as you run like a couple of seconds faster or you, you have a little bit of, you're a little strong, you got a little muscle gain, the legs don't fit. Like the legs yeah. after like four or five pounds, you're done. You Can know? you imagine
1: that? Can you imagine every time you run and get better and successful, you your him feet him. don't fit into your shoes no more? You uh, got to get shoes? You got to get new shoes. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. But,
2: but he has the most expensive shoes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? What, what? All right, so you got outfitted for legs over and over again because you became more successful over time, mm-hmm, right? yeah. especially in a short period of time, right? Right. So what it be looking like? What is the number like for for a pair of legs?
0: So for the running legs, they're uh, blades. The, the blades, right, they, the blades themselves can cost like 10, 15 grand a piece, yeah,
2: they, they, but then you got to
0: pay the manufacturer, the person to make them, right?
2: Okay. These right here? These Ironmans? Yeah. <laughs> said,
1: yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the walk around.
2: Listen, man, he told me I much they cost. I told my son, I said, grab one of them, put them in the trunk. We going trade this in. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Legs for sale. This is, tell them
2: how much money. going Yeah, costs. I mean, 100K,
0: 125, it just depends how much money they want to make. You know, it's like, it's kind of like a dealership. You, you can go pay 35 or 45 for a Corolla. Mm-hmm.
2: Listen, 35 and 45, not 100, it's 1,000. Yeah. That's, that's a nice car. Like, these yeah. right here, 35, so, yeah. 45.
0: No, these right here, like uh, the last bill for this that the army, the VA paid for was 125 a piece. Hundred twenty five dollars. One hundred twenty five thousand dollars. Thousand dollars. Just the legs, not the manufacturing. That boy got two Audi Audi R eights on. Boy, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) got some exotic out here.
2: That boy got them, boy, and I'm
1: trying to tell you, yeah, hundred K, dog. Go to the dealership and be like, more than a (laughs) hundred, more than hundred K. Come on, bro, I got to test these, dog. Yeah, get blessed, get
0: blessed.
1: (laughs) So what? What we got with them? They vibranium. What's what?
0: Yeah. So when they first came out, psh, pretty much. So they're, they're uh, titanium. Close and they're, the cousin okay.
1: of vibranium, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and they're carbon fiber, which is the hardest, strongest, right? The lightest and the strongest together, right? It's the lightest and strongest. Mm. So it is, you know, handmade. This part here is handmade and this is, you know, this is like made engineers and stuff. Have you kicked somebody? Never have kicked anyone, nope, no. No? No, now, never have.
2: I, I could tell you in training, when <laughs> he talks about fitting, I mean, only most amputees but understand. So what he was talking about with the fitting, one of the problems that we ran into in practice, and I don't know if you've seen him sitting on the floor every time he would run really fast, his legs would swell in, in the fitting, in the socket where he puts his leg. Okay. And he had to pull it off because it was too tight.
1: The blood flow, yeah, it would swell the that, lactate, that, all that. that. If okay. his muscles
2: grew, he had to take it off and he had to rest. And then he had to wait till the blood flow goes down to put him back on. But if he gains muscle, he has to change. The whole thing? The whole thing.
1: Or just <laughs> the, the, the fitted yeah. part? The fitting part. The fitting yeah, part. you had to change okay. the
2: whole. And yeah. that's expensive
1: because it's handmade and it's, hand-made a piece. And it's yeah. custom. So Today's did that to deter later. you from like gaining muscle? Or were you like, you know, I'm going to do what I got to no, do? No, no, no,
0: because you, you have to. Because it, 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 it would just... Became naturally. I knew that every time I got better, and especially after season after season, I knew like I know I'm not I'm gonna be in a different socket towards the end. So I had to I had to become really efficient at making them towards the end because towards the end I'm like a month or two away, and it's 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 hard. You have to adapt to a new blade because even though it's the same thing, it's slightly different. So like in in uh in Tokyo, my blade snapped. My 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 leg broke. I
2: remember you calling me about that.
0: And I was so, that's why, you know, I was going to fight for third and I ended up not being able to fight as much as I wanted because yeah, I had, like, it's like I had to move my foot to the side. It's like if I told you, like, now you're going to step like half an inch to the side every time. But you, your, your nervous system has is, is been training this whole, so long with one way. I basically ran all of the race with my right leg, just pushing with my right.
2: And he, and he can't, he had blisters when he got to Tokyo and he started training. You, you remember you showed me the blisters on your legs? Like mm-hmm. he had blisters that, that was in the fitting.
0: It's always at the best time, at your peak time, that all this stuff happens. Yeah,
2: everything. We were training great before he left and then he got, ah, 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 we get halfway across the world and then blisters show up. Yeah, well, you know, the universe, <laughs> man, the universe
0: talking
1: to you. They want to say how much you want it.
0: Well, I had a, I had a, I had a good rhythm here with him. Uh, Eating everything, and then they, they say, Oh, let's go to Tokyo two weeks before. I'm like, Yeah, I'm down, I, I get acclimated. When I get there, it's like the food is like they're, they're giving us like wraps and yeah. stuff that's terrible. So, like, everything just went to hell.
1: <laughs> I know, I you know, know, how it is. I know about this, bro. <laughs> I know. I feel sorry, I feel malnourished when I go to China. I mean, Japan sometimes. And I don't, it's like you don't get enough intake
0: you know yeah. yeah it's not the quality that you're used to and it's not the same sleep and the humidity there's crazy and you know, i got I, I got sick they thought i had covid when i got there so they put me on the covid floor and i'm like oh now nah, i'm gonna get covid because i'm in the covid floor even though i'm sick but you know they had me testing every day um so it was just like it was it was rough Tokyo so was you, rough
1: you went through hell with all this you did right before it was time for you to compete
0: yeah man The
1: audience doesn't really realize that. Because, you know, when you're at home watching on television, you're like, okay, cool, what day he runs, all right, we're Mm going to watch him, and when we see you get to the starting line, that's all we think, Mm -hmm. that you just chilling the whole time, maybe doing a little training, maybe some sightseeing, oh, today's your race. Mm -hmm. That's how the audience looks at us when we're competing, you know what I mean? So to know everything you went through from the blisters to being quarantined around people who do have COVID that may have given you COVID, maybe, you know, yeah, snapping the leg. W- snapping the leg. So even when you got to the starting line,
0: did got, any of that, that deter you? No, man. And on top of that, I got the worst lane. I got the inside lane. It's mm-hmm. the worst for us because we have to, uh, the, the wider it is the, on the outside for us, we're able to get more top speed. And, and these blades all about time. And they put the guy that I was going to fight for third, they put him in the far out lane. And on top of that, it had been raining. Mm-hmm. but It had stopped raining. And you know how the track, it gets wet, it, it, it drips down. So I'm in the bottom lane, I'm completely wet. And the last two lanes on the end, they're dry. And the guy next to me, it's like half wet, half dry. So he's got one foot. So I have to switch into long spikes right before the race. And I had never ran in long spikes. And we never practiced so on long I'm spikes. So like I'm scared that I'm going to catch this spike. So when I ran, I ran with a little bit of fear, but not a little bit of, I had a fear before it, but in the moment, I was so grateful that I had been to so many world championships and so many races that uh, even though the, it was the biggest stadium I ever been, I just, I just said, you know what? I don't care. I just had like a fuck it attitude. I'm just gonna go hard, man. I'm just gonna give it. Like I'm so mad that every, all this happened to me. I'm gonna like use this anger and give this up. And I ran. I broke my record again. <laughs> well, I broke. all you know, So. Well, you broke everyone's record because you got the whole record,
1: <laughs> right? So, how many world championships have you been to? So we were in
0: Lyon, France, uh, and then we were in uh, uh, Dubai, 2019. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. France is 2013, was that? France was 2018. 2018. Sorry, 2018,
1: 2017. 2017.
0: Yeah, and 2019, and 19,
1: yeah.
0: was the, the Dubai World the Dubai. Uh, Championships, yeah. Because I think it ran parallel with the, uh, right? How was
1: that, how was Dubai?
0: It was amazing, man. We were we were at the Prince's Palace, right? It's a training facility where Manchester United, Ronaldo goes, he's a member. Um, Kabib goes there. So I'm like asking all the employees there, like, you know, yo, tell me about Ronaldo. Oh, he's got all the records, man. He comes here, like every time he comes here, he's like, anybody break my records? And if they did, he's like, okay, let me go get in that the cold tub and break his record again. He's like, he's the most competitive individual. And I got it was amazing, man. The walls were made out of fish tanks.
1: Oh. Wow. Lily, when you were saying the sentence, I was waiting for you to say the walls were made out of gold. Yeah,
2: these are fish tanks.
1: But I feel like fish tanks is just a different kind of flex. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah What's in the fish tank? <laughs> the rarest of fish? Where, where we had sharks? No, no just, had...
0: just fish. But like, it wasn't just that. Like, we walked in and it's like, it's a Starbucks, but there's no price because you can just order and they just give it to you. So you, regular, in, so you was in heaven? Yeah. and then, <laughs> That's what it sounds like. There was a room that was a big old room. It's the biggest world uh, in, the, in the world. It's the biggest uh, altitude uh, simulation room. Yeah. And they had everything in it. Everything. Uh, I've they, heard about
1: those. Yeah, they had Our, a, Whole rooms where they just, it's altitude. Like you don't got to be in a
0: chamber. Mm-hmm.
1: You were like literally just going to live a regular life, sleep in the bed, get some food. But you're still in the same situation of being like an altitude chamber.
0: Altitude training. And they had bikes. Had all kinds of stuff in there for all kinds of sports and you just went in there and, you know, trained. They had uh, they let all the Paralympians go ahead and You could use whatever you wanted as long as you asked. And uh I went there a lot. I even took my I took cabs there. I wasn't supposed to, but they liked me there and they said you can come down, no worries. So they had a pool there that was like fifty feet deep. It was ridiculous. Like I'd be swimming and there'd be dudes in scuba tanks in the bottom of the pool. <laughs> Not only that, there was music playing in the water. So they whoa, had whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Like music playing. In
1: the water. No, no, no. The music was out of the speakers coming at the top of the ceiling. Mm-mm.
0: In the water. So, there's in music. The, the, those, the, the speakers had these special waves that traveled through the water. So when you're swimming, you're like, hey, you want something? I'm like, yeah, you know, put this on. And you're swimming and you can hear it. I was like, whoa, it's crazy. The, he had like the biggest collection of bonsais. He, he, his dog. Was a wolf, a real wolf. <laughs> you whistled like sh, sh. that thing would look at you like, oh, like it wasn't wouldn't waggle its tail. It was like a, yeah, he had it was just unreal. There was a whole facility underneath the track. Underneath the track was the massages and everything was see-through. You can see like glass. It was crazy. You could see what? You could the, just like you, you went see, down do in the a track glass. To the You could go that you were going down in this elevator, and as you were going down, you could just see how they were. Build it, the inside there was a secretary down there and there was a massages on one side and the sauna on the other side the locker like everything you would see on like outside of a track it was actually underneath the track oh so you were using
1: using a back cave
0: <laughs> 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 that's amazing
1: dog
2: crazy it's amazing it's that's beautiful amazing that's really amazing in that time man i know i know there's somebody really special to you man um what year was your daughter born, man? Talk about her, about her. Was she any of your motivation? Of
0: course, 2013.
2: Give her a name, man. E- Emilia
0: Portas. <laughs> Emilia Portas, my baby, man. Um, born uh, December 11, 2013. I
2: don't give out too much. Somebody might steal her identity.
0: Hmm? <laughs> 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 no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> she, got ten, she got 10 years, so she needs her social security. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so, you know, I. I You know, I needed, baby mama and I were, you know, split up. So we live like an hour away. So she doesn't want to come to my district. I don't want to go to hers. So I have to put her in a private school. I don't have the money for that. So I'm like, I need to make money and I need to make this team. Like I need to stop like playing and I need to make this money. So that was my motivation. I would put, I would pretend always that my daughter was waiting at the end of the line. You know what I mean? Like, and that if I didn't do it, that I, I could lose her. You know, and so that, that was also great motivation for me, mm. wow. for sure. Sounds like a movie,
2: don't it? Oh yeah. Sounds like a real movie, man. Yeah. But I, I, I've seen him interact with his daughter, he's brought her to the track, she's watched him train. She likes to run. He's she running. likes to run. Yeah?
0: <laughs> we run just about every night. We still do it. I, I, now I push in a wheelchair because I'm training for it, and she just runs and she loves it. She wants to do it. She loves it. Like, what, with the, in school? She gets third, fourth place. They're all boys and then it's her. Mm. You know, like, yeah. So she's bonding with you. That's her bonding with you. It is. It is. We, you know, we either do the running or she tells me before, she knows that if she doesn't want to run at night, when I pick her up from school, we can go to a place called Altitude. It's a trampoline place. And it's like a, you can work out there. You know what I mean? It's a workout to play there. 100%. And we go and we go play this video game where you like have to jump in the trampoline to to win. And we get it in for an hour, hour and a half. And we come back home. So we either have fun like that or we go run at night.
2: Now, let's go back. You, uh, you just said you have to push now. You can't run run anymore. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, so, you know, being like me the, the, and having the blades, it, it's expensive, right? I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't have, you know, the Army insurance. And so it's really difficult. And on top of that, it's just difficult. To do what I did for a body to resist it, and so there's very few people doing it and uh after the competition, there was only five of us in the world doing it and uh and they, they since they divided us from the single amputees, you know because we used to have mix, but you know what happened was the doubles started getting better and better, and then to the point that they couldn't beat us, you know, so they separated us, and that kind of hurt us because. Then there were so little of us, and then it was like, there's no race because there's no point. And there's so many people in other disabilities that want to be able to do a race. And there's only so many slots for events. So they, 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 they check it out, and they're like, hey, look, this is, this is the end for this, you know? So there, I was like, what am I supposed to do now? Oh, you can long jump. I'm like, my back is shot. I'm like, if I land the wrong way, I'm done. Hold on, they really said you can long jump? Like, for real? they thought. You can long jump. You know, <laughs> it's the same. It's you, all you need for long jump is speed. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and balls. <laughs> nah, I got I got big balls, but like I don't want to hurt myself and then like be lamenting it for my whole you, life.
1: You you, know? you you said something to me earlier about your spine having to acclimate to yeah. you know you having the legs now. Like so, mm-hmm. that would be detrimental for you to go out long jump because your your spine wasn't.
0: Well, yeah, I, ha- I have a little bit of like uh, arthritis, you know, and like moderate, they called it moderate arthritis, something and my spine, which is cool. Cause like, it's like, uh, I don't do adjustments or none of that stuff. It actually hurts me. My, my spine just needs to be left alone. And it's, you know, my muscles in the running, you know, you're putting like four or five times my weight when I'm sprinting, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I remember in the beginning, I was like, what's going on? But I realized if, if I just, Keep going, and I do some lumbar exercises and stuff. That muscle was going to be able to, to hold my spine. So that—that's kind of like, yeah. And it took some time. It really did take some time to to adjust to it. So
1: how did you get the the news that your uh, your whole event was going to be
0: canceled? Just like that. I don't know. It like a, a month and a half after the competition, they were like, "Up, oh, just so you guys know, this is it." You know. So like in so
1: person. Like
0: this, like no. gather around, or it was like no, email. Like an email, okay. Yeah, you know how they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The end. Yeah. So you got to wheelchair now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't help to feel a little, a little used, you know. But of course, we're like contractors, right? That's what we are. Yeah, that's yeah. What, that's what it is. It boils so, down to yeah. So you, yeah. So you, know, you complain, but you're just a contractor, so you know. But there was a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of years of my life towards it, and I, I, it was taken away in the moment where I felt, you know, I. Found Rodney, uh, you know, I had it going on. And, like you, you know, we we're, we were going to go 23 next, you know, so. But, so now you're in
1: the wheelchair. That's, you're, you're competitive in the wheelchair. Is that the next step for you right now?
0: Well, yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try out, you know. It's, it's, uh, I just believe in myself. And I always, um, I try to do a sport that I know that I'm good, that I'm going to be good at, it, you know. And I'm going to be competing against people that are mostly can't walk paralyzed right so uh i gotta do some stuff that they can't do to get an edge right like leg raises lower i gotta have the best lower abs in the game mm-hmm. right because that's gonna give me an edge over these guys and that's how it always is in sport you know from the guys that do uh the bench press the dude has no legs at all is gonna bend press more than the guy that has legs because he can put that weight up here because you have a le- a weight limit so there's a dude that has no legs is going to be faster than a dude that has some legs like me swimming because Mm. he's floats more. He's more buoyant. It's less to pull. Right. So you always have to look at things in the Paralympics. It's not the same, even though we're all the same class It's not the same. Everybody's slightly different. So you got to have to, you have to know where to take that edge from and to be able to win, get your money, you know, or get what you want from it. It's not much money. And then you know that, but we all, we just did it for the, you know, for the glory, I guess, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm just wondering, how does that know that you want to bend your knee? <laughs> I know that's weird, but I've yeah. always, I used to see you walk and drive, and I was like,
0: how does it know? It's something else, man. So it it knows how much weight you're putting on the tip of the toe. And uh, it has like, you know, like levels, like a bubble level. So it knows when it's tilted one way, when it's tilted the other way. So a combination of a forward lean with enough weight on the toe, the hydraulic cylinder that's always stiff, it'll let go, just flow. So as soon as it knows, it lets go to allow the needle to float. And as soon as it lands again on the foot, it provides resistance, right? So I don't just buckle and fall. That's basically all it does. All that computer and Bluetooth and all that is just for that one action. I, um, I hope this episode really
2: inspires people uh, with the limbs or without them. You know what I mean, um, Lewis was a true inspiring story to me. This is why I wanted to coach you um you you made me feel like I'd coach anything or anybody um and I appreciate you coming down here to our podcast ready set go
0: thanks um, man you you brought the best out of me, man, like you're like. It was unreal and, and, and the training group there, the energy from everybody. It was so friendly. It was so great. It was just a pleasure to be out there, man, all the time. And have Brooks yelling at us and stuff. It's all cool too, you know I mean? <laughs> Man, we hope that you
1: uh when you make this journey into the into the wheelchair game, man, come back out. You know what I mean? That the mentality that you have is 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 inspirational and contagious. And we love for you to be around the rest of the group so you can show them what it is to be a true champion, not just on the track, but in life in general, man. So we appreciate
0: mm-hmm. you, man. We oh, do. Thank you. Appreciate you guys, man. Thanks right. so much.
1: Until next time, already said go. And we out.